Hello, everybody. Welcome to the College Football Degenerates podcast. It's just me for today. Uh, Toby, he's had a very busy week, um, and he couldn't make it to the podcast. So I said I would do it myself. Sometimes you got to do it solo. This is not going to be the norm. Toby will be back next week. Uh, there will be weeks where I'm not able to do it, and Toby will have to do it solo. Um, and maybe we'll have guests those weeks or not. But this week it was kind of out of the blue. But what if? Point is, we're here. The show does not stop for nobody. Uh, big week in college football ahead of us. Big week. A lot of good games. There are a lot of good games last week. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the games this week. We'll talk about our top 25s. Uh, you know the deal. Um, some big news. I don't know if you've seen everyone. Uh, Tez Walker, the receiver out at UNC. He is now eligible. After all this time, you know, where the NCAA said, no, 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 they finally like, okay, well, you can play, you know. And we've talked about him on our podcast and how stupid it is that he was not able to play. And he's out there now. So uh, we want to shout out Tez Walker. Uh, we love to see an elite player be able to play football. Uh, the NCAA was so stupid for that. And they go out and they basically kind of try to blame North Carolina for the whole thing. Like, oh, they didn't give us the information, blah, blah, blah. Eh, it's so stupid. Um, I don't know what information that they got that made them change this. I didn't like that far into it. I just know that Tez Walker will be playing. Uh, that's what you love to see. Um, well, let's get into this. Uh, did you watch the game, the Utah-Oregon State game on Friday? Um very interesting game. Uh, Oregon State was the favorite as they were at home, and Utah still does not have Cam Brisek. Despite the fact that Utah was higher in the rankings, Oregon State, you know, coming off a loss against Washington State, they go and they beat Utah. Uh, DJ Uyongle, 14 of 25, 204 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Uh, he also had 18 yards uh, rushing. Uh, Damian Martinez, the running back for Oregon State, 16 carries, 65 yards on a touchdown. Silas Bolden, receiver for Oregon State, he had six receptions, 100 yards on a touchdown. Utah, however, 8 of 23 for 101 yards, passing yards, and a touchdown from Nate Johnson. Uh, and that was to Thomas Yasmin. He had three receptions, 59 yards on a touchdown. And Jalen Glover, the running back for Utah, 16 carries, 58 yards. Uh, it was very obvious that uh, Oregon State is their good rushing team. Or, uh, they're good at rushing the ball, and they're good at stopping the run. Uh, and with the fact that Cam Rising still not here, they were able to shut that down from uh, Utah. At 8 of 23 is terrible. Uh, you're not going to win, win many games like that. I look at some more stats. Uh, Yeah, 2 of 13 on third down. 2 of 13. How, you're not going to win many games going 2 of 13. 198 total yards at 358. Or Utah needs uh, Cam Rising to come back. I still think they can have a good season. I mean, when Cam Rising is on this team, you could argue they're the best team in the Pac-12. I think you could really make that argument. They already have some good wins over UCLA and Florida. 
but now they just hit a team in Oregon State that knows what it's like to play on the road and isn't uh, Florida. You know, they don't know how to play on the road. At UCLA, you got a uh, Dante Moore, a freshman, true freshman going out there. One of the toughest environments. They couldn't win that. Utah, they went up against a team in Oregon State. Who knew how to win? So, yeah, I mean, I think Utah will be fine if they can get Cam Rising. If not, I don't know. It's going to be tough. Uh, next game that we're going to talk about. Uh, a lot of people had something to say about this game, and I understand why. Uh, it was the Georgia-Auburn game. Now, while I know all of y'all have thoughts on this game, and rightfully so, there's uh, a lot that you could say about this. One thing to keep in mind, and that is the last four number one overall teams, ranking-wise, that went into Auburn, Alabama, and out in Lee County. They went to Jordan-Hare Stadium. They lost. They left the game no longer being number one because Auburn beat them. And if you know that, then you know that playing at Auburn is tough. I'm not going to pretend this Auburn team is good. They're not. They're a bad team uh, on, with a first-year first head coach in Hugh Freeze who knows what he's doing, but, I mean, the team was in a mess. Um, and, yeah, so there is no excuse in that sense to why Georgia struggled. But knowing how tough it is to play it in Jordan-Hare Stadium and getting down 10-0 early, it's hard to come back from that. They get loud, you know? So you might you can believe whatever you want about Jordan-Hare Stadium and playing Auburn and all that stuff, but the fact is that the last four number one teams who went to Jordan-Hare Stadium lost. So... You know, Carson Beck, 23 at 33, 313 yards, a touchdown interception. He had a good game. He was not the reason why Georgia struggled. They were not. Dejon Edward, 19 carries, 65, 60, 76 yards, and two touchdowns. He had a pretty good game. But I've just been so disappointed with Georgia's rushing game this season. Uh, it was something that was talked about beforehand as a potential struggle. This offensive line is not great in run blocking. They're great in pass protection. Though. They're an elite pass protection unit. They are not the best rushing uh, run blocking team. I don't know what it is. Like, y'all are some of the, you know, if you're at Georgia and you play offensive line, you're going to be pretty big. You need to go and establish, you know, yourself against the other defense. You need to push them, not you them push you. Simple as that. Um, but yeah, the run blocking has not been as good as that should be. The rushing attack as a whole and the rushing defense, Peyton Thorne, uh, quarterback for Auburn. He had 12 carries for 92 yards. Jock S. Hunter had 59 rushing yards and a touchdown. Robbie Ashford had the other quarterback at 33 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so that needs to work be fixed on Chas Chambliss. You don't have to crash every time. Sometimes you can contain the outside. I'd actually love if you did that sometime. Uh, but the real story outside of Georgia struggling is Brock Bowers. Uh, eight receptions, 157 yards, and a touchdown. And if you watched the game in the first half, he was nothing much. The second game, especially that fourth quarter, Brock Bowers established himself as the best player in college football. I, I'm not arguing it anymore. 
Uh, he is the best player in college football, simply put. Uh, no player is uh, he's not he's out on a level of his own. I mean, especially at the tight end possession. Uh, I think we really need to discuss. I mean, Brock Bowers will after the season. You could definitely argue that Brock Bowers is the greatest tight end in college football history. You can look up all the stats and all the accolades, and they suggest the same. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. I think Georgia, however, you know, while they struggled, yes, this is a win that honestly could make them better throughout the season. While it might sound crazy to say that they'll be better for this win, this struggle win, we know now two things. One, Carson Beck has shown that he can win on the road, and it was at a tough place, Jordan-Hare Stadium as I've mentioned before, uh, previously in other episodes, and this episode a lot. Um, And he knows what it's like to win from behind. Now, it might not be good that a game against Auburn and getting down is, you know, not good. And every team would love to just blow out their opponents every single week. But the fact of the matter is, you just don't play at that. You don't play at 100% every single game. So, to see a Georgia team that is a lot of new pieces, a new quarterback, new offensive coordinator, uh, just a lot of new starters over the last you know, couple years, uh, for them to be resilient and win a game on the road behind is tough to do. Um, and I'd rather, as a Georgia fan, and just as you know, a college football fan, you could say this about any team that you're a fan of, you would rather your team struggle but win, you know, get uh, down early against a team that you're significantly better than, than a team that you're at the same skill level. And you're having to figure out what it takes to win from behind to come back and get the win versus a team that is at your level. You know, you Georgia will be down at other points in this season, in other games. Every team will, eventually. Even the Georgia teams from last year did. They obviously trailed games. Look at the Ohio State game. Look at the Missouri game. Uh, the team before that lost in the SEC championship game and was trailing in the national championship game. Um... So, every team will be down at some point. And I'd rather a Georgia team with Carson Beck, who's making his, you know, this is his first year as a starter. I'd rather him figure out what it takes to win on the road and win from behind now than in the SEC championship game or the national championship game or any college football playoff game or any big game that we have. That's what it takes. You know, is Georgia going to drop in my ranking. Spoiler alert. Yeah, they probably will. Uh, I'm going to give too much away. Uh, give a little bit of intrigue so you keep on watching. But, uh, yeah, I mean, even if, you know, they might not move down, say, an actual number, then, yeah, but 
it's just that, you know, the point that I'm making is that even if, like, say, Georgia's still number one on my list, they're probably not as high, you know, as what they were before. But the point is, I think this loss is better for them in the long term. I do. I think we now have a offensive um, identity, a.k.a. Brock Bowers. We need to be kind of getting him the ball every play and getting Lamb in the confidence. So is this a good win? No, obviously it's a bad win. Uh, did, has Georgia looked lo- like they could lose at a lot of points in time? Yeah. But I don't know if anything's going to be out. Uh, I'll have to see this week. They got a tough game against Kentucky. Uh, Auburn, uh, Peyton Thorne is a good rusher. He is horrible at passing. Also, there was one play. I mean, that Carson Beck, you know, when he, he slightly underthrew Oscar Delp at the start of the game, and then the next play he threw an interception, that goes a touchdown. Uh, and Auburn scores a touchdown on that play. If uh, you know, if um, Carson Beck hits Oscar Delp and he was gone, I mean, it was just a little bit of you know miscommunication on it. Uh, if he hits him and that's a touchdown, which looked like it was, and Oscar Delp's pretty fast, then Georgia wins by twenty-one. And so, what are we saying then? You know, so it's really just one play. You know, the same thing I was talking about with Notre Dame and Ohio State. Uh, you know, if one play goes differently, how are we looking at it? You know, uh, football is made up of a lot of plays. and So, yeah, that's the point I'm trying to make. Um, Georgia will definitely be tested this week against Kentucky. So if you don't think they're really number one and they, uh, and they lose to Kentucky, then, you know, everything's settled then. If you think that they are still number one and they go out and beat Kentucky, then boom. So, yeah, that's just how I'm feeling right now at uh, our next game, uh, Texas-Kansas. I thought this game was going to be a lot better than it was. And that was kind of due to the fact that Jalen Daniels did not play, which just sucks. Uh, Jalen Daniels, he always just like gets hurt right before a big game. You, you hate to see it always. Um, but, yeah, Quinn Ewers, uh, 25-35, 325 yards, a touchdown, an interception. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, the running back for Texas, had 21 carries, 218 yards, and two touchdowns. He had himself a game. Uh, Adani Mitchell had himself a game, 141 yards, 10 receptions, a touchdown. Xavier Worthy, seven receptions, uh, 93 yards, and uh, no touchdown, though. But uh, And Jason Bean, the quarterback for Kansas, he was 9 of 21, uh, 136 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, this game was close for a good deal of it. Uh, and then Texas kind of just pulled away at the end. I'm not saying that Kansas would have won this if Jalen Daniels had been out there. However, uh, it would have been definitely a lot closer game. Uh, You know, Jason Bean was not good this game. He was pretty bad. I I think Jalen Daniels would have done better than, what, uh, 9-21. So, yeah, uh, it's still a good win for Texas. uh, But, yeah. Hate to see Jalen Daniels not being able to make it out there. Uh, USC versus Colorado. USC wins forty-eight to forty-one. Uh, man, I mean, Caleb Williams had himself a game: thirty of forty, uh, four hundred three yards, six touchdowns. Did throw an interception, but that was nothing much. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd had uh, eighty-four yards and a touchdown, but only thirteen carries. Man, USC should have just handed the ball off to him. 
more in the second half. It was not close at all. Uh, they just needed to run the ball, and Colorado can't stop the run. You know, 6.5 yards per carry for Marshawn Lloyd. So just gave it to him more, and, you know, it wouldn't have been as close as it was. Shador Sanders had a good game, 30-45, 371 yards, four touchdowns and interception. Uh, um, a guy established himself, though. Uh, Marion Miller had n- really nothing coming into this game uh, at all. I don't think he had a catch all season. Uh, but seven receptions, 196 yards, and a touchdown. This guy, man, uh, Colorado has a really good receiving room. They have a lot of problems, but their receiving room is nasty. Moran Miller, Jimmy Horn Jr., Xavier Weaver, uh, Weaver uh, obviously Travis Hunter once they get him back, uh, Michael Harrison, the tight end. I mean, they got some really good receiving options. And, you know, props to, you know, Dion and the rest of uh, this. Uh, coaching staff at Colorado, they have them, their team fighting. You know, they very easily could have tapped out. Now they kept on fighting. Uh, but man, USC's defense is horrible. Simply put, is is terrible. Even for Lincoln Riley standards, this is bad. I mean, do I still think that USC is probably going to make the playoffs? Yeah, because Lincoln Riley has made the playoffs with bad defenses in the past. But Alex Grinch has to go. Lincoln Riley needs to acknowledge it. They have the same. He said some asked about the defense stuff like that. He was like, "No, I don't think the defense has the same problems as last year." Yes, they do. His name is Alex Grinch, and if it's not Alex Grinch, then it's Lincoln Riley. You know, Lincoln Riley having a soft team. Now, I'm not suggesting that anything is going to happen to Lincoln Riley. Uh, he, he keeps on winning games. He, you know, gets Heisman's. You know, their offense is amazing and cause of him. But. And obviously, Lincoln Riley doesn't have anything to do with the defense play calling-wise. But if you have a soft kind of friend, you know, program, if you run a soft program, then they're going to be soft, you know? If you don't, you know, preach the importance of having a good defense, then you're not going to have it. And Alex Grinch is not a good defensive coordinator. I've seen enough. He's been, you know, he was the uh, defensive coordinator for Oklahoma for a little bit and has been here at USC for tw- two years. Um People are, you know, missing open tackles. Um, people are out of position. The sets don't look right. Nothing on the defense looks right. Everything looks terrible. They let Colorado come back in this game. And they are on. Colorado was an onside away from potentially tying this game and sending to OT. And this is, should have been a game that USC won by 20, 30 points. Uh, they were up a lot. And they just kind of quit. Uh, and maybe you could say, you know, some people brought it well. They look good in the, the first half. They just look bad in the second half. Yeah. Well, football is a two-half sport. There's two halves. It's 60 minutes. You play 60 minutes of football. And USC went out there, and they uh, their defense forgot to, you know, stop Colorado. So, yeah, I don't know what happened with that defense, man. It just looks horrible. Colorado. Uh, not Second half, you know, they had some fighting, and Shador Sanders looks really good. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else? What else? Notre Dame versus Duke. Now, this was uh, kind of a defensive battle. Uh, Notre Dame wins 21-14. to 14. Uh, Sam Hartman, uh, 15 of 30, 222 yards, no touchdowns, but no interceptions. Audric Estime established himself as, in my opinion, the favorite to win. Uh, to be the best running back this year. Uh, 18 carries, 81 yards, two touchdowns. 
some key uh, runs for Estime, uh, especially that last touchdown. Uh, Riley Leonard, 12 of 27, 134 yards, a touchdown, an interception. He didn't have himself a great game, but he ran the ball really well. 18 carries for 88 yards. Uh, Notre Dame's defense is legit. Uh, hopefully, Riley Leonard's okay. Uh, he had, you know, was hurt. Man, but I mean, this was a defensive battle. This was real close. And again, last week it was Notre Dame losing a game by going into prevent defense. This week it's Notre Dame winning a game because the other team went into prevent defense. Why do teams do this? Duke was winning on defense. And then on that final drive, they go in after Sam Hartman picked up that ridiculous 26 yard first down or whatever it was. Or seven, yeah, whatever, 17 or whatever. I don't remember how much it was, but it was ridiculous. 16, 17, uh, it was ridiculous. But and then, but then Duke goes back into their prevent defense, and then Estime goes, I mean, stop going into prevent defense. The only thing that it's doing that prevent defense prevents you from winning the game half the time. That's what it does half the most. It prevents you from winning the game. If you're winning on defense. You're winning this game by defense, and it was 21. You won the game was 21 to 14. So obviously you were winning by defense. It was what was it 14 13 before they scored that last touchdown? Yeah. And you go into prevent defense. Why would you do that? No, don't do that. Just stay in your normal defense, Mike Elka. I mean, you're. It was obviously working. Otherwise, you wouldn't be up 14 13. Notre Dame would have a lot more points. Sure, there were some. Um, miscues in the red zone, but, you know, still, I mean, a missed field goal, uh, another, I mean, the multiple missed field goals from both teams in the first half. But, yeah, the point is, you know, uh, Notre Dame were able to bounce back. Right, uh, this Duke team is still good, though, so don't suck, you know. Uh, it's just they ran into a really good team, uh, a Notre Dame team that looked quite nice, uh, looked better than last week. Uh, but yeah, uh, LSU versus Ole Miss. Complete opposite of this game. Uh, Notre Dame, you know, this was not many points at all. It was 35 points total. Uh, LSU Ole Miss, 55 to 49. Defense was optional for this game. Uh, Jackson Dart, 26 to 39, 389 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, with 50 rushing yards and touchdowns as well. Uh, Quinshawn Junkins had 177 yards for a touchdown. Ulysses Bennett, the fourth, had a touchdown, 90 yards. Uh, you know, on the other end, Jaden Daniels, 27, 36, 414 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, he also had a rushing touchdown at 99 yards. Logan Diggs had 101 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, yeah, this was a crazy game. No defense played. Ole Miss got up big. LSU got, uh, you know, got back close. LSU had the lead. Ole Miss, you know, goes. They score the touchdown on the last play of the game. Uh, or no, excuse me. LSU had the ball on the last play of the game. They can't get it to anyone. Ole Miss wins. I mean, defense. You know, you had uh, people rushing the field. No defense was played in this game. No defense at all. I, you know, and LSU is quite the big disappointment. Uh they have two losses, and both of them have been caused 
of their defense not being nearly at the level it should be. I thought it was going to be better than this. Once, hence why I had them so high in my preseason rankings. But man, LSU, you got to play defense. Ole Miss, they didn't play defense either. Their offense was just big. Uh, I, I said last week, I don't know if Lynn Kiffin's ever going to win a, a big game. He won a big game here. It's probably his biggest game of his uh, Ole Miss career. Uh, yeah. Uh, LSU, got to play defense. Ole Miss, man, they get the win. Yeah, a lot of great performances offensively. If you, know, you had the over in this game, which the over was set before the game. Uh, at a 67, which is a high number, and both teams uh, crushed that, obviously. Uh, a lot of points. points, But, yeah, uh, so moving on. Uh, Clemson versus Syracuse. Uh, Clemson bounced back uh, after the loss to Florida State. They played an undefeated Syracuse team. Some places had them ranked. Uh, Clemson goes out there. They get the win. They win 31-14. Club Nick looked good. 23-37, 263 yards, two touchdowns. Will Shipley had a touchdown as well. Syracuse team, still pretty decent. I mean, but yeah, Clemson just showed out. Got up big. Uh, another crazy game. I don't know if y'all saw this one. UCF versus Baylor. Holy hell, what a game. What a game. It, Baylor won 36-35. They trailed in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter, I believe. Excuse me. Weren't, they were down like 28 points. Or, yeah, they were down 28 points in the third quarter. Baylor scored 29 unanswered points. 26 in the fourth quarter. Blake Shipman. Shapman. Uh, uh, quarterback out of Baylor, 21-34, 293 yards and touchdown. Uh, yeah, this was quite a game. Uh, UCF, man, uh, their quarterback, Timmy McClain, 13-25, 234 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. No John Rye Plumley. Um, but, man, I mean, also, if y'all didn't see that uh, play from the UCF quarterback, Timmy McClain, to pick up that fourth down, that was ridiculous. I mean, he ran, he runs back like 30 yards. He manages to get the completion. It was crazy. Uh, Baylor needed this win badly. They had not looked good so far this season. They get the win against UCF. Terrible loss for UCF as well. I mean, man, not good at all. But yeah, those were some of the big games last week. There are a lot of other good games, but that's all the time we seem to have. Uh, this week, there's a lot of good games, too, which we'll talk about later. But I want to do something differently. Since Toby's not here, and I don't have some overreactions or underreaction or overreaction just about right or anything like that, uh, we're going to do our top 25. I'm going to do the top 25 now. If you do, can't tell, I like doing these top 25s. But I'll show, uh, uh, list off Toby's for him, and then I'll go over mine, explain why I have my stuff here. He's not able to explain himself. So just take this with a grain of salt. Uh, at 25, or excuse me, uh, yeah, 20, wait, no. Yeah, I don't know how to tell you this, some of this stuff, it's kind of crazy. But, uh, yeah, 25, he's got Louisville, 
undefeated win against NC State. wasn't a great win, but uh, they're und- if you're undefeated at this point in time and you're in the Power Five, I think you should probably be ranked. At 24, he has Fresno State, uh, who got a win over... Who was it? Nevada, yeah. Uh, 23, or yeah, 23, he has Duke. At 22, he's got, still has Kansas. He was pretty high on Kansas, and I don't blame him. I mean, you are high on Kansas and no Jalen Daniels, and they put up a decent fight against Texas, but yeah. Um, yeah. At 21, he's got Missouri. Uh, 20, LSU. 19, Kentucky. Uh, 18, UNC. 17, Ole Miss. 16, Utah. 15, Miami. 14, Oregon State. 13, Washington State. Uh, 12, Oklahoma. 11, Notre Dame. 10, Alabama. 9, USC. 8, Oregon. 7, Penn State. 6, Washington. 5, Texas. 4, Florida State. 3, Ohio State. 2, Michigan. And still, at number one is your Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, So that's his list. From my list, I got, and you know, I can explain this more. At 25, I got Louisville. Again, as I was saying, you know, they're undefeated at this point in time. They probably should be ranked. 24, he got Fresno State uh, up one spot last week. At 23, I have Kentucky. They weren't ranked last week. They get a big win against Florida. yeah, they got a tough matchup against Georgia this week, but they look pretty good. At 22, I have Maryland up two spots. I'm pretty high on Maryland. I think they definitely should be ranked in the AP poll. I don't know why they're not. Uh, yeah, Maryland there. At 21, I have Kansas State up one spot. Uh, they are currently, as I'm recording this, actually, excuse me, uh, and probably when you see this, they are playing Oklahoma State. At 20, I have Missouri up one spot. They play LSU this week. I don't have LSU in my rankings, to spoil it. Uh, at this point in time, if you're three and two, you have two losses, I don't know if you should be in the top 25 five weeks in. Uh, that's just how I feel. Uh, is LSU a top 25 team? Yeah, probably, but uh, I just have them at three and uh, I don't have them there because of three and two. Uh, if they're a top 25 team, then they'll beat Missouri, you know? So, at 19, I have Ole Miss up one spot. I have Duke at 18, down two spots. I'm not going to drop them too far. They play a really good team, uh, and they could have won it, you know. Again, one play can different, you know. But, yeah, at 17, I have Utah down seven spots. Uh, they definitely could keep falling if Cam Rising does not come back soon. At 16, I have Miami. Uh, yeah, they look quite good. At 15, I have Oregon State up four spots. Uh, yeah, they're also, you know, after a tough loss to Washington State, they bounce back, get the win. Yeah, so at 14, up three spots, I have Washington State. Uh, you can argue, I mean, we can't really argue. Uh, Washington State's better than Oregon State. They played them, they won. There's not nearly enough, there hasn't been nearly enough games to you know, change that opinion, but simply put, uh, Washington State's got to be above Oregon State. Uh, yeah, at 13, I have UNC. They're quite high for me. Uh, 
have always been pretty high on this team. Uh, Tez Walker coming back is huge. Uh, he will definitely make a difference. At 12, I have Alabama up two spots. Uh, they got an interesting game against Texas A&M. We'll talk about that later. Uh, and they got a win over Mississippi State. But yeah, uh, At 11, I have Notre Dame staying where they are uh, after the win against Duke. Uh, at 10, I have Oklahoma up three spots. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma looks really good. They got a big game against Texas this week. At 9, I have USC down one spot. And up at one spot at 8, I have Oregon. You can argue who's better, but simply put, for me, after seeing them play the same opponent as they did, Oregon looked better against Colorado than USC has. You know, so simply put, that's why you have to put Oregon above them, in my opinion. But at seven, I have Washington down one spot. Then it looked great against uh, Arizona. I said that was going to happen. But yeah, I mean, pack pack 12 after dark is always crazy, but still. Dropping one spot after not looking great against Arizona. Team that's not that good. Um, at six, I have Penn State down one spot. Did they win against Northwestern? Yeah. Did they manage to cover? Yes, they did. So why did they drop a down Man, that game was horrible. If you watch the game, Penn State looked terrible for three quarters and then just happened to outlast um, Northwestern on account that Northwestern just didn't have the players. Uh, yeah, Penn State... It's going to drop for that. Uh, at five, I have Ohio State up two spots. It's just, I mean, you could argue that, Michael, that's kind of crazy that uh, you had them gain more on a bye week than they had when they beat Notre Dame. And that's caused uh, two reasons. One, uh, well, for one major, well, one reason is caused just stuff that happens around them, you know. And the other one is the fact that. I view that a better win than I did at the time. Uh, Notre Dame is a good team. I was iffy. You know, they hadn't played a bunch of good teams, and they go out and beat Duke, and they look good doing it. All right, well, not good, but you know what the point I'm saying. But so Notre Dame's defense is legit. Uh, and so I feel better about that win for Ohio State. Not that I didn't feel good about it at the time, but you, you understand what I mean. Uh, but Notre Dame at five. At four, I have Texas staying where they are. Three, Florida State staying where they are. Uh, two, Michigan staying where they are. And I still have Georgia at one. Um, you know, it's iffy. And you could make arguments for Florida State and Texas and Michigan for the beat number one, and I would not disagree with either, any of those. But simply put, I don't know if I, I mean, Michigan, have they been sort of blowing out teams? Yeah, but not a single one of the teams that they have played is good. And you could bring up Georgia with you know, South Carolina and Auburn. Yes, but both of those teams are better than anyone Michigan has played. And I know the whole whoever played, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they're supposed to go out there and blow out these teams, and they have, and props to them. But they just have not, you know, I don't nearly know enough about them to put them out. I just don't look like a team, you know, that just don't, I don't know. Uh, it's a little weird, but I just don't feel like Michigan's won. They haven't had an experience, and they're not the two-time national championship. Not while I know that was last year and the year before that. I mean, those matter to an extent. Uh, yeah, so and they're not going to play anyone this week. They got Minnesota. They got Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue. I mean, it's not until the second week of November when they play Penn State, you know, so... Yeah, not a single one of those teams good, man. Big Ten. Michigan, you know, Michigan really, 
had a really easy schedule, you know, they played like three good games and they're all at the end of the year. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. But uh Yeah, no non con no power five non con games. Uh which is supposed to be in the rule book. You're in the Big Ten rules. You're supposed to play a Big Ten, a Power Five uh, opponent, a non-con Power Five opponent. For the second year in a row, Michigan has failed to do so. And you know, you can bring up Georgia and all that stuff. They do play Georgia Tech at the end of the season. You know, they are a Power Five team. They don't play like it, but and Florida State. I mean, they've had some good wins. You know, against Clemson and. LSU, but those wins are looking worse and worse, and we still have the Balls College one, but I don't know. Uh, this is my opinion, and this all is kind of subjective. doesn't really mean anything until... None of these bowls really mean much of anything until uh, the college football playoff poll happens, comes up, and that's not because it's any better than uh, any of ours. It's just that it actually holds weight. People stuff's determined by it. But yeah, that's just how I'm feeling so far. Uh, let us talk about some of the games coming up this week. I got Toby's opinion on two of them. Oklahoma, uh, first one we'll talk about, Red River rivalry, Red, Red River shootout, OU versus Texas. How are y'all feeling about this game? That's the real question. You got to ask yourself, uh, this is going to be a great game. Uh, Texas is a five-point favorite. Talking with Toby, uh, I think he really likes Oklahoma. It seems. Uh, if I got that right. I don't know. Point is, uh, yeah, this is going to be a very interesting game. Uh, probably going to be a lot of points. Over, under, at 60 and a half. I think Texas wins it, though. I think Quinn Ewers um, outplays Dylan Gabriel. However, it's going to be a very close game. I don't think this is going to be some blowout that people make it seem like. You know? People are like, oh, well, the Texas, uh, you know, Texas fans specific, like, oh, well, we're better in offense and defense than last year's team. So that means, and we won 49 nothing. So whatever that means. Yeah. But like Oklahoma is significantly better on both ends of the, you know, ball. And obviously they didn't have Dylan Gabriel last year, but even without that, their offense is so much better and their defense is so much better. Uh, I think this is going to be a very interesting game. However, I think Texas wins and I think they probably cover five. Uh, I think I'd, go Texas by a touchdown, but I think it's going to be a very close game. Uh, and the other game that Toby was talking about was the Maryland-Ohio State game. Uh, Toby thinks this game's going to be very close and I kind of agree with him. I think uh, Maryland is a pretty good team. I've had them ranked for two years now, and the AP poll doesn't have them ranked at all. It is, and Columbus, Ohio, but the line's at 19 and a half. It's moved up, too. I just don't see Ohio State winning by three scores. I don't. I think this will be a game where Ohio State wins by probably 10 points. Uh, I don't think Maryland wins, but I think uh, Taolua Taglavoa, to his brother, will play good. And I think this will be a very interesting game where I think Ohio State pulls away at the end. And some people will say, what, 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 you know. But no, Maryland is a good team. Um, at 19.5 is a lot of points. I'm probably going to rock with Maryland. Uh, been rocking with Maryland most of the season. And haven't let me uh, uh, outside of the game against Charlotte. I bet against them, <laughs> but yeah, Maryland so far been pretty good. Uh, next game, big game, three good twelve o'clock games. Uh, LSU versus Missouri. Line is LSU minus five and a half on the road against Missouri. 
I think LSU's the better team, but I mean, Missouri is. I have Missouri ranked. I don't have LSU ranked because of two losses. I've explained beforehand, and it's on the road. Uh, line is at five and a half over under of sixty four. I think this game could be high scoring. If I'm being honest, I like LSU by a field goal. But I think it's going to be close. Uh, I don't think LSU covers the five and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I, I don't really have a feel in this game, however, I, but like betting wise, but I think LSU probably wins. If if there was anything that I feel on, I feel like over 64 is going to be a good one. A Luther Burden uh, touchdown seems inevitable. Uh, another game at three o'clock that I like. Uh, Washington State at UCLA. Washington State, number 13. UCLA, unranked. UCLA looked bad against uh, Utah. So what would you think the line would be? Well, it's at UCLA, three and a half. UCLA is a three and a half point favorite at home. And this just feels so much like a trap. They they want people to put all their money on uh, Washington State. And I don't feel like that's a good thing to do. I think, frankly, I think UCLA probably wins this game. Uh, one of the best kind of system plays in college football is an unranked home favorite versus a unranked uh, versus a ranked dog. Uh, go with the unranked home favorite. Um, I think UCLA probably wins this. I think I think Dante Moore goes out and has a good game. I think. Cameron Ward, Ward will also have a good game, but I think UCLA's defense ends up making some big stops, and Dante Moore looks better in his next big game. Uh, it's like this on the Pac-12 network. on the world. This should be like one of the big games that they have. I don't know why, but whatever. Uh, 3.30, another game. Alabama at Texas A&M. This game's huge. Alabama is a, currently a two-point favorite on the road. And what did I just say? One of the best system plays. I I don't know. I mean, over-unders at 46. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored. Uh, very going to be, very much going to be a defensive battle for Texas A&M and Alabama. And just, oh, this is tough. This is a tough one to say the least. Uh Jalen Milrow, however, has not particularly done well against stout defenses, and Texas A&M is undeniably that. Their defense is really good. If there was one bet that I really like, it is the under first half points. I think that's going to be a slow game to start say as well. I think there might be some more points come second half, but I think this is going to be a close one. And if I'm being honest, I think Texas A&M gets the win at home. At College Station, it's going to be huge, but yeah, this game it could definitely go either way. Obviously, the two-point line suggests that I think Texas A&M does win the game. However, if I had to make a pick, uh, next game, seven o'clock, Georgia, Kentucky, Kentucky comes to Athens. Georgia finally gets a big-time night game. You have to go a long time since Georgia had a big-time night game in. Both of the national championship seasons, Georgia had zero, zero SEC, like big time, or like they had big home night games. They haven't had many. They haven't had any. And they finally get one at Kentucky. Line is at 
currently at Georgia at 14 and a half over under 47. If I'm being honest, I like Georgia with the points. I think this is a big bounce back spot for them against a, a tough Kentucky team. Uh, yeah, uh, that's how I'm feeling about this game. I think you look at Kentucky last week against Florida, and I didn't talk about this game, and you could argue I should have. 33 to 14, you know what I'm talking about a little bit. Graham Mertz, 25 of 30, 244 yards, two touchdown interception. Devin Leary, only 9 of 19, 69 yards and a touchdown. But Ray Davis, the Vanderbilt transfer, he had himself a game. 26 carries, 288, 280 yards, and three touchdowns. He ran up and down the field on that Florida Gator defense. Uh, George's defense is going to have to be better for them to win, and I think they will. I think this team will go out, and I think they're going to silence a lot of people. I hope they do, obviously, but yeah, I think Georgia will look a lot better, and I think they cover 14 and a half. They finally cover a game. They haven't so far, which is uh, kind of embarrassing, but uh, a last game at talk about uh, Notre. Oh, yeah, one of the last games we'll talk about uh, Notre Dame at Louisville. Louisville undefeated, uh, hosting Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame is a six and a half point favorite. Over under is at fifty three and a half. I like Notre Dame to cover. That's a, a thing I kind of really like. Actually, now I think about it. Louisville. They're five and zero, but they have not looked too good. You know, they have some. You know. If he wins against NC State and Georgia Tech, they just did not look good. And those aren't great teams, but you know, if I'm being, I feel like this game's going to go in the under. I think this is going to be a grinding game. I think SMA is going to have himself a really good game as well. Uh, yeah, I like Notre Dame, and I like them to cover six and a half. I think they could win by two touchdowns. Honestly, seems crazy to say, but yeah. Uh, and one last game we'll talk about at 10:30 USC. Hosting Arizona, lines at 21, over-under 72. Again, this is what I'm talking about. Um, late night, you know, Pac-12 Pac after dark games. Always interesting. I think USC will bounce back, however. It's at home, 21 points. I think they cover that. And I, I think the, it probably goes on the over. Uh, but it'll, it'll be an interesting game, to say the least. Uh, those are some games that I'm feeling uh, this week. Uh yeah, so, what else? Uh, while I'm thinking about it, I want to thank our sponsors, as always. The good people at Appliance Outlet. As you might know, they are our current sponsor. And Appliance Outlet, they are, if you don't know, yet you're new to the show, they are an appliance store in Roanoke, Virginia, uh, right off of Hirschberger, they will serve all of the Greater Roanoke area, and we'll even go even farther. Uh, they have some really good people there that run the place. Uh, I know them personally, and I know a lot of the workers there. Look out that I work there, but uh, so we're Toby and I are very much blessed for them to be sponsoring us. Uh, they got some good deals. Uh, if you are in the need of any appliances, washer, dryer. Uh, any range, uh, any of dishwasher, any of the sorts, uh, fridge, uh, go down to Appliance Outlet, check out their stuff. You will not be disappointed. Uh, tell them Appliance, tell them the College Football Generals podcast sent you. But yeah, uh, enough. Our sponsor. 
not to do that. Um, you know, we we haven't done this in a minute. I mean, it's the AP Top 25. Toby and I always talk about which teams are higher and lower, we think. And, you know, I'll talk about this now. Uh, a lot of people have thoughts on the list. And one team, we'll start with a team that I would argue is a little too high. That is LSU. They dropped down 10 spots at 23, and you could argue that that's a fair spot, but and they probably are around that range. But, I mean, we're this late in the season. You are two, you are three and two. I, I get some good teams, sure, but I don't know how you can say three and two should make you win there. But Maryland is five and oh, they're undefeated. And I think, simply put, I think if you are a power five team and we're five weeks into the season, five weeks, and you are undefeated, I think you should be in the top 25. And that's why I have it there. Um, another team, uh, a team that I would say is a little low. Let's see. I Florida, Florida State at five. Well, what are we doing at five? That, that seems too low to me. All right, I mean... I mean, you could def- you have arguments for Ohio State and Texas over them, but I just feel like Florida State. When you look at it, they have two of the best wins. Sure, LSU, you know, on right now, Clemson on right now, but those are still good wins. Those are still good wins, and I feel like Florida State should be higher than that. Uh, another team, when I look at it, I feel like Oklahoma. I feel like Oklahoma should be top ten in my opinion. I would have them top ten. They're five and zero. Oh. Is Alabama at four and one and Notre Dame at five and one? Should they really be above them? I mean, they have a loss, and I feel like this point in time, Oklahoma has shown that they should be in the top twenty-five. Excuse me, the top ten. Yeah, Tennessee. Why? I don't understand this. Why is Tennessee in the top twenty-five? And why did they drop a spot for a good win against South Carolina? I, I don't know. They they have a terrible loss against a Florida team, and they still put them over them. And then they have a, a good win against a South Carolina team, and they drop. I don't know. Tennessee, I have no clue. They shouldn't be in the top 25, in my opinion. Tennessee does not look like a top 25 team, as my opinion. And again, uh, a team that's too low, Maryland. Why are they not in the top 25? They are 5 0. And if you're going to choose between a 5 0 team, Why'd you choose Louisville over Maryland? That doesn't make sense. Louisville has some, you know, when you look at their um, big wins, what would you say? Uh, Georgia Tech, NC State. Those were games that they came from behind and won, and they didn't look good doing it. They didn't look great doing it, you know? Indiana. Indiana's not a good team. You know, why do you really love the Boston College win? Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't be top 25. I think they should, again. But... If you were going to choose between a 5-0 and team, and I don't think you should have to. I think it should be LSU. Why'd you choose Louisville over Maryland? Uh, Maryland, you know, has wins over, you know, they had a blowout win against UVA, blowout win against Michigan State, blowout win against Indiana. They've played the same two teams, and Maryland looked better doing it. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, that's just my thoughts. And, you know what? I haven't talked about them yet. JMU. J. M-U, James Madison University. If you don't know, I go there. They are five and zero against good win, good wins against South Alabama, 
against Troy and against a Power Five team in UVA. And you can point, yeah, is UVA probably the worst Power Five team in college football? Yeah. You could argue that they're the worst team, period. But anytime, anytime you see a group of five team beat a Power Five team, that's a good win. And anytime, especially if it's a, a conference opponent, not a, a in state rival, I mean, that's a good win. JMU has looked nice. Um, oh, Jordan McLeod looking amazing. Uh, he's got uh, 1,173 yards on the season, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, and Kalon Black, the running back out at, uh, for JMU, 365 yards. Uh, yeah. But the big thing for JMU is they have one of the best defenses in the nation, if you didn't know. Their rushing, their running, their rushing defense is elite. Uh, and again, point to the, the teams that they played, sure, sure, sure. That's fair. But, you know, they can't control who they play. They can't control it. And JMU should be allowed to be in the uh, make a bowl game. Them and who was it? Who's the other team? Oh, Jacksonville State, the Gamecocks. Remember when they beat Florida State a few years back? They're sitting there at 5-1. and one. They'll probably win at least one game on their schedule, maybe more. And you could argue, well, they're the first season, you know. And I know what the rules are. And JMU, you know, they know what the rules are. But the point is, those rules are stupid. If a team can go out there with an FBS schedule and win six games, they should make a bowl game. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me at all. JMU is a top twenty-five team, or not a top twenty-five team. They're not a top twenty-five team yet. I think if they go out uh, and they can win their next game, they don't play this week. They play next week against Georgia State or Georgia Southern. Excuse me. If they can win that, then I think you really have to talk about them at six and zero being. In the top 25. Uh, yeah, there's my thoughts so far on JMU. I think they're having a really good season. Love being a Duke here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is the podcast episode. A little weird one, I'll get uh, y'all say. No, Toby. Uh, he'll be back later. Uh, be back next week. Uh, we want to thank y'all for listening to the podcast. I uh, want to thank all our People that just listen to every episode, we love y'all the most. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love y'all all the same. But um, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure again to so- follow the socials, um, rate the podcast episodes, and share with your friends. And yeah, because it really means a lot to us. Uh, we love doing this, and we hope y'all love listening to this uh, podcast. Uh, but it would really make a difference if we can just you know, have more people listening. Uh, I, I mean, if nobody was listening, would we still be doing this podcast? Yes. Uh, yes, we would. Uh, we just love doing it. But it just means so much more when y'all are showing love as well and tuning in every episode and, you know, loving the podcast. And, you know, because we also do it, we do it for ourselves, but we, we do it for y'all too. So. Yeah, I mean, that's just how we're feeling right now. Uh, this was uh, Michael Ahern. Uh, no Toby, again, as you all know. Uh, 
Yeah, this is Michael for the College Football Degenerates Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, Goodbye.